Welcome to Fistball Inside, the podcast magazine of the International Fistball Association. I'm IFA President Jörn and this is episode number 30, which was recorded on the 28th of April. And as always, it's a great pleasure to have with me our co-host, our Secretary General. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jörn, and hello, Fistball World. Chris, it's already two weeks ago that we broadcasted our last episode. And what happened during the last two weeks? Yeah, unbelievable. Time is running uh, and I couldn't believe it's already two weeks ago. And uh, within the last two weeks, there happened a lot of things. Uh, I would start with the IFA Board of Directors meeting, uh, which has approved in its last meeting an updated version of its strategic plan for the period 2019 to 2023. Uh, this will be IFA's roadmap for the upcoming two years and reflects the COVID-19 crisis as recently approved uh, in the IOC agenda 2020 plus five. Uh, this was preceded by an extensive consultation as well as the IFA policy forum on uh, the 30th of March and the resolution by the IFA athletes forum on uh, the 17th of April. Yes, and the IFA board and the officials will be using this uh, updated strategic plan to guide our decisions over the next uh, years. Uh, we see it as a working document that will help us uh, to make explicit decisions about our activities and priorities based on a strategic consideration. Our updated plan for the episode 2019-2023 spells out our vision and values, our core strategies and steps to achieve them. Uh, and IFA has also updated partially its mission statement, which says now we encourage gender equity and diversity in all aspects. Yeah, IFA has outlined strategic goals, uh, which are five goals uh, in total. It's high quality IFA events, governance structures according to good governance principles. IFA serves as an service-oriented organization for its member federations providing real stakeholder value. Fourth goal is to use the use of international platforms and participation in international multi-sport events serves as showcase for FISBALL. And the fifth goal, increasing use appeal for uh, increasing uh, use appeal of FISBALL, of course, um, for each of the strategies from 10 to 25 concrete steps are outlined. Yeah, and that has made the document really much bigger. It's now a nearby 20 pages document and it's already the first totally reviewed strategic plan and the first major update since the current uh, strategic plan reflecting the COVID-19 pandemic, as you mentioned, and the recently approved IOC Agenda 2020 plus five. The first IFA plan was adopted for the period 2011 to 2015 and uh, resulted in a strong growth of uh, the membership uh, of IFA to 54 member federations at that time. The second uh, plan was for the period 2016 to 2019 and resulted in a significant extension of the organization's visibility, starting with 61 member federations. Uh, the third plan was initially approved uh, for the period 2019 to 2023. So uh, like the term we are elected for and now, as already mentioned in the beginning, it's already the fourth plan. But uh, what else happened in these two weeks? 
Yeah, plenty of things, as I said in my introduction. Um, recently, uh, I took part in the Austrian working group uh, on the topic human rights and sport, uh, which was really interesting. The working group uh, started already, I guess, three or four years ago, and Eva was one of the founding members um, together with the Austrian Sports Ministry and other um, sports federations in Austria, uh, because uh, most of our podcast listener would say, okay, the topic human rights doesn't affect football that much, uh, but uh, in detail, it affects us very much. Therefore, we are working on different topic, which leads to human rights. For, for example, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast edition, uh, gender equity and equality um, quota of women in in the boards of the national and international federation, the code of ethics, safeguarding athlete, and so on, uh, and also our, our policy forum, youth congress, and other um, and other um, congresses we are doing online uh, pays on the topic human rights. And the really cool thing is um, the the working group will publish a manual very soon uh, for for all federations. Uh, to give a broader picture of on the topic sport and human rights and uh, with some best practice models. So really, really interesting. And it's planned to publish the manual uh, in the upcoming June. So stay tuned. Jörn. Chris, when, when you, uh, there probably have been also other federations on the national or in international level. Uh, if you compare it uh, to them, have they been surprised that such a small federation like we uh, are doing the, such things or is it just the normal thing uh, everyone has to do? Uh, yes, indeed, they were very much surprised. I would say uh, it's a mix of national and international uh, sports organizations which are based in Austria. And when we talked about uh, the things uh, each federation is doing, uh, they were surprised that uh, a federation in our size, a very small one in the international world of sports, are doing so many things uh, in that issue. And that was uh, really great to see. And uh, they they asked to give um, some references and ideas how we are doing what we are doing uh, and they they would like to benefit from our knowledge. I think this exchange of ideas is exactly uh, what I just have finished today. I uh, attended with the IFA Integrities Officer uh, Theresa Eidenhammer uh, today's IOC and GIVES uh, safeguarding workshop and I uh, can also echo that uh, many sport federations have been present there uh, and the things we do and the objective of this uh, workshop was to introduce the concept of environmental risk as a key component for manifestation of abuse uh, in the sports community. It was really good to see what other federations are doing in this exchange of ideas. I like that very much because only in the teaming up, I believe, uh, we have the chance to, as small federations, to really learn from each other like you just mentioned, and to to have um, policies and regulations in place, uh, which leads to a, to a better and safer world for our athletes. Yeah, absolutely, and that's we're on the right path. And uh, communication, cooperation, uh, that's that's our aim, and therefore we are happy to to work together with other federations and organizations. And why we talk about this, uh, maybe 
you think sometimes too often in this podcast, it's also it's about awareness arising. Um, there is a policy in place which is called the EFA Safe Sport Policy, safeguarding athletes and participants from discrimination, harassment, and abuse. And I'm I'm really sure that many uh, of our national federations and the football community not really knows in detail what uh, services we are offering and what could be done. Uh, it's it's an obligation for our member federations and we have to guide them uh, in the future, maybe much more uh, education tools and these things and awareness building. Uh, that's uh, really important things. M maybe you have seen uh, concerning safeguarding uh, sport, uh, the German gymnast who participated in the European Championship in long trousers uh, and which was broadly reported, at least in Germany, probably in Austria as well. And, and this raises really awareness uh, for safeguarding issues, I, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's it's also important to underline uh, that within our federation, there's an absolutely zero tolerance um, for discrimination, uh, harassment or abuse to safeguard the sport of football against all forms of violence and discrimination. And that IFA stands for. And I believe, as you said, we must continue to take concrete actions and implementation of these uh, safe sport initiatives and uh, create awareness, of, as already mentioned, uh, together with our national member federation. But what else happened? Uh, it has not only been uh, that forum, that workshop, uh, many more. We attended uh, together a workshop of uh, the so-called major events international. Uh, what was that topic about and who was participating in that? Uh, that's a good question. Who was participating uh, at this uh, at the summit? Um, I don't have a, a concrete list of participants in my mind, to be honest, but uh, I remember very well the, the topic it was about. Uh, so we had the chance to participate in several workshops uh, about hosting events or broadcasting technologies, uh, dig digitalization uh, and much more. And it was really interesting uh, to, to get more knowledge and insights uh, for hosting our events and also to give this knowledge to our local organizers uh, and we could directly benefit of this knowledge and this contacts as well and uh, probably there will um, for there will uh, we will join some more corporations for the future and uh, will will increase the quality of our events. Chris, I think it was a mixture of international federations like we and service providers. Uh, uh, it was a, a platform to bring them together to exchange ideas, even in times where you could not meet in person. Um, we have learned uh, some more new uh, service providers. Uh, we had conversation uh, in the beside the, the big uh, meeting facilities with them and we exchanged ideas uh, how we could improve our services and how they could help us uh, for the future for the upcoming uh, events. Um, concerning events, any news uh, on the events? No, not really this, uh, the last two weeks. Uh, we already have uh, reported about that. Yeah, I guess we reported in our last episode uh, about uh, news on our events. So um, I would say there are no concrete news. We are still working uh, on, on organizing the events and hosting them. Uh, I'm still in a good mood for the upcoming summer. 
um, to realize the Women's World Championship and um, the uh, 18 world champs. Uh, I, I would just, uh, I, I'd like to talk about the, the World Games because I also had uh, a meeting with the friends from IWGA, from the International World Games Association. And uh, we, we had a very good exchange for the World Games 2022 already. Uh, it was, of course, not the first meeting. We're working since, I would say, two years at least uh, on, on organizing the World Games in Birmingham. Uh, and the meeting was, uh, in general, about uh, venue plannings. And uh, we will finish these things, I guess, June or July this year, of course, it was about volunteers, athlete registration, so many details. Uh, and it's really uh, good to see how detailed uh, they work already. And uh, I also got an, an introduction uh, about the uh, current standings of, of all venues, uh, because may you know, uh, in Birmingham, they, they are just uh, in the middle of the building of a new stadium where the opening and the closing ceremony uh, will take place. So that's really cool and all FISBOL fans can look forward to really great World Games in Birmingham in July 2020. Absolutely. This this uh, 2022. New, sorry, <laughs> 2022. This this wonderful new uh, and great football stadium they are currently building in Birmingham, Alabama, is uh, the place where the opening and the closing uh, will happen, and uh, every athlete who is participating in that event or the spectators will be uh, surprised by by the size of that venue, definitely. But uh, there have been many more uh, meetings. I would like, uh, before we have a, a small uh, look out for the upcoming weeks and the, the events in front of us, uh, just uh, mention the invitation of the uh, friends from the German uh, Feasible Association, DFBL. They had uh, their annual uh, meeting um, two weeks ago and I was invited. Uh, and many thanks and greetings uh, to Uli Meines and the, the leadership of the DFBL um, for giving me the chance to have a small uh, welcome word uh, at the beginning of the meeting, uh, they discussed about uh, how to uh, continue with the schedule of the meetings and the uh, competitions and uh, what is going on. They changed uh, many things, um, also with some effects uh, on, on the bigger tournaments. Uh, they switched away uh, the, the planned weekend for the German finals uh, to a two week later date uh, so that uh, also the German teams have the possibility to um, participate in the Swiss, uh, big Swiss uh, tournaments, even uh, if they are uh, this year not a part of the Feasible World Tour, but uh, nevertheless, they are one of the big uh, uh, stars and the big uh, signs of our sport. And so it's good to know that um, even the German teams have the possibility to participate in that uh, Swiss tournaments in Jona and in Vietnam. But let's have a, a small look out what will happen during the next week. Um, there's a a day to celebrate. It's eight. No, currently it's a little bit more, but uh, in a few days it will be just 800 days to the upcoming next uh, men's world championship. Uh, what do we plan for that? What do we plan for that big date? Uh, it's planned to to present uh, the event logo for the IFA 2023. Uh, Fistball Men's World Championship in Mannheim, Germany. So uh, I, I can promise 
uh, yeah, stay excited uh, about that logo and uh, we, we'd like to inform also about some event details, what's planned, what's our approach. But the, the main topic, of course, is the presentation of the event logo. And we will definitely talk about that logo in our next episodes. Uh, but uh, just before that special date, uh, there will be maybe the founding of the Asian Fistball Association. Uh, our um, IFA Development Director Roger Willen has informed within the Board of Directors meeting uh, that the plans are coming to a very concrete end. And uh, currently it's planned to have at the beginning of May the uh, inaugural uh, establishing of the Fistball Association of Asia. But also on that topic, I think we will talk in our next episode a little bit more. So as always, it's uh, only one topic left uh, and uh, as we always finish. And don't forget, together we are Fistball. Fistball.